Welcome to this week's presentation with Scott Toole. We are thrilled to have you joining us as we gain insight from God's Word. Now, speaking from Rosedale Baptist Church in Baltimore, Maryland, here's Pastor Toole. See, our Bibles turn to 2 Samuel chapter 9, 2 Samuel chapter number 9, and we're shifting this morning uh, with the last episode uh, in a life of David. Uh, David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, don't lose heart. And of course, David had a heart of grace. Uh, he had a heart of mercy. And we do reserve the right to go back to fill in the gaps, the holes. We bounced around a lot in the, the life of David. But uh, that last episode is in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Uh, and at the same time, we're going to kick off, kick off a, a place of grace. Look at verse number 1. David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I might show kindness for Jonathan's sake? It seems a little bit ringing, uh, maybe up here. Uh, look at it again, verse 1. Uh, is there yet any, and I don't mind it being loud if I had Forrest's voice. I don't have his voice. I'm, just, I'm struggling, but uh, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake? And so if you're keeping track of the score, put down character number one. David represents the sovereign. He's the king. David represents God the Father. Uh, character number two is Jonathan. Uh, and Jonathan represents the Savior. Uh, the Savior. And so uh, David, uh, the king, the sovereign, God the Father, uh, Jonathan represents uh, the Savior. Look at verse number two. And there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziba. And when they had called him unto David, the king said unto him, Art thou Ziba? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Almost the exact same words, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said unto him, Where is he? And Ziba said unto the king, Behold, he is in the house of Maker, the son of Amiel in Lodabar. Verse 5. The king sent for him and brought him, verse 6, his name was Mephibosheth. And then look at verse 7. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness. Again, almost the exact same wording, three times. For I will show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. For, for Jonathan thy father's sake. And again, if you're keeping track of the cast of characters, David the Sovereign... Uh, Jonathan the Savior. Mephibosheth is the center. The center. Mephibosheth is the center, uh, and Ziba is the servant. Uh, verse 2 says uh, he's a servant, a servant whose name uh, is Ziba. Uh, God the Father, God the Son, David, Jonathan. Uh, you start to see a glimmer of it uh, back in 1 Samuel 18 when you see the unity of them. The unity of them. The soul of Jonathan knit uh, with the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Uh, 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 much like Jesus when he said, uh, if you've seen the Father, you've seen me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I and the Father are one. Not just a closeness, unity, uh, but also that covenant, that, that, that commitment. Uh, chapter 18, verse 3. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant. Uh, verse number 18, chapter 23. The two made a covenant. Uh, and even though they were separated for a time, they were inseparable in spirit. Though they were separated for a time, much like uh, when Jesus came to earth, uh, separated for a time, they were inseparable in spirit. And during one of the times that they were separated, David Jonathan, 
Jonathan lost his battle, lost his life in battle, so that cast of characters, this gallery of grace, David, God, Jonathan, the Savior, Mephibosheth, the sinner, and Ziba, the servant. Is everybody with me so far? But now, number one, notice first the sovereign's desire to extend grace. The sovereign's desire to extend grace. Verse one, and David said, is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul that I may show him kindness? That I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. Uh, can't you picture David wanting to show kindness? Uh, can't you see David uh, looking for someone on whom to, to shower mercy and grace? Searching for someone uh, on whom to shower mercy and grace uh, and kindness. Is there any left? Uh, the house of Saul, that I may show him, uh, that I may show him kindness, share with him uh, kindness, shower upon him uh, kindness. Uh, I think at times we uh, get a wrong view of who God is. We uh, view God as a tyrant, a, a uh, dictator, an iron fist, waiting to rain down judgment uh, upon us as soon as we get out of line. Uh, we almost feel like that everything that we ever get from God, we have to wrestle away from God. Uh, everything that we ever get from God, uh, I have to fast to get this. I have to prove my sincerity in order to obtain that. Uh, uh, God won't bless me unless I do this. God won't bless me uh, unless I do that. We have to earn it. Uh, God doesn't really give it. Uh, we get that feeling that, that God is withholding. God is withholding until I prove myself worthy of his blessing. Hey, understand, we're never worthy uh, on our own of the blessings of God. The sovereign's desire, wanting. The sovereign's desire, looking, searching, to show, to share, to shower kindness and mercy and grace. You ever play that pry the quarter out of Grandpop's hand, uh, international game that there is. You ever seen that where uh, Grandpop, and I've played it on as a grandson side. I, I, I've yet to play it on the, the Pop-Pop side, but I can't wait. But, uh, and so uh, you show that quarter, and then you put that quarter in your hand, and then uh, your grandson, granddaughter, uh, starts to pry that uh, finger away. And of course, the international rules, you can't put that finger back once it's pried away. And so uh, prying that finger away, trying to get to that quarter, prying, you start to see that quarter, prying it away. Away, and then uh, finally prying it away, snatching that quarter and running away. Uh, you know, God isn't like that. God isn't like that. God comes to us open-handed. Uh, we're not snatching and running away. Hey, God's goal is to walk hand in hand with us. To have that grace and kindness and merciful relationship uh, with us. Well, I don't view God as a judge who makes us earn every inch of our Christianity. Uh, view God as a heavenly Father whose Son has already paid for uh, every inch of our Christianity. A.W. Tozer put it this way. He said, what you believe about God is the most important thing about you. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. Let it sink in. Just let it settle in. Well, if you view him as a judgmental dictator, that iron-fisted, can't wait to thump you, thump you, uh, then you're not going to come boldly to the throne of grace to obtain mercy, to find grace to help in the time of need. Boy, you're going to shy away from him. You're going to distance from him. But when you realize he's not that, he's a heavenly father that can't wait. The sovereign's desire 
to extend grace. Micah chapter 7, verse number 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever because he delighteth in mercy. Say that last phrase. He delighteth in mercy. Say that last phrase. He delighteth in mercy. Boy, that word delight uh, is rendered in other places as pleases. It pleases God to show mercy. His will. It's the will of God to show mercy. His desire. He desires to show mercy. Well pleased. He's well pleased when he can show, share, shower, grace and kindness and mercy, uh, pleasure. Uh, God takes pleasure in showing and sharing uh, and showering goodness and kindness uh, and mercy and grace. In fact, Ephesians chapter 2 really digs into it when uh, it says in verse number 4, God is rich in mercy. He's rich in mercy. God is full, uh, rich in mercy. You say, well, what about my sin? Uh, what about my sin? Uh, the only place your sin has is to show you how great God's grace is. Because where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. He's rich. He's full of mercy. I like how uh, John 1 puts it as a statement of fact in verse number 14. Uh, the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten Father, uh, full of grace and truth. Full of grace. Full of. Full of grace and truth. Statement of fact. But then when John uh, is testifying, he says this. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness, his fullness, he was full of grace. He was full of truth. But his testimony was, and of his fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. Wait, John, John, uh, the apostle John said, hey, here's how it is. Uh, John, John said, uh, here in John chapter 1, uh, John was to say, uh, oh yes, I know he's truth. Oh yes, I know that there's that part of uh, our, the holiness of God. I understand that. But, but for me, what he's showered and shown for me is grace after grace, after wave of grace, after wave of kindness, after wave of mercy. He's rich in mercy. He's full of grace. Verse number 5, Ephesians 2. He quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. And hath raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come... Hey, I understand that we're saved by grace, but it doesn't stop there. We understand it's God's mercy. Uh, that's how we're saved. But it does not stop there because in the ages to come, he might show, share, shower, that he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith. That's how we're saved. But that's where every single wave of blessing uh, every single wave of, of, of gracious consideration comes uh, is the grace and mercy and kindness of God. I like how Nancy Spiegelberg put it. She said, Lord, I crawled across the barrenness to you with an empty cup, uncertain in asking any small drop of grace. 
If only I'd known you better, I'd have come running with a bucket. If only I'd known you better, full of grace. Is there any that I might show that kindness and shower down that grace? Well, that's number one. That's the sovereign's desire to extend grace. Number two, write it down. The sinner's desperation to obtain grace. The sinner's desperation to obtain grace. Look at verse number three, and I'm talking about our need for it. I'm talking about his, Mephibosheth's, need for it. Look at verse number three. And the king said, Is there not yet any of the house of Saul that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziba said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is, say it with me, lame on his feet. Lame on his feet. By Bible times, lameness would have a limiting factor. Uh, being crippled would have a reduced capacity uh, back in that time. Uh, there's not many desk jobs, not many uh, computer-type jobs. There's uh, no financial assistance, no SSI back then. And so uh, he's lame on his feet. The sinner's desperation. Mephibosheth was lame on his feet as we are. Uh, as we are, all we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And only God, Hebrews 12, can make straight the paths of your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Mephibosheth was lame in his feet as we are. Mephibosheth's lameness wasn't self-inflicted, but was, was inflicted by another. We have to go all the way back to chapter 4, five chapters ahead of this when when. Uh, the news came uh, of, of Jezreel about how Saul and Jonathan died. Uh, and his nurse, talking about Mephibosheth, and his nurse took him up and fled. Uh, and it came to pass that she made haste to flee that he fell. She fell. She dropped him. She's carrying him. Uh, that he fell and became lame. Uh, and his name was Mephibosheth. Boy, our lameness isn't primarily self-inflicted uh, primarily, it was inflicted on us by another. Uh, wherefore, as by one man, sin entered into the world, and so death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. But you talk about the desperation of the sinner. The desperation of a sinner, uh, it doesn't make sense that we would have that. Hey, by nature, because of Adam, by nature, we're sinners. When Adam sinned uh, in Genesis chapter 3, we were in Adam, uh, and that sin was passed to us. Our nature was that of a sinner. You say, that doesn't seem fair. I was born in America, not because I decided to move to America, uh, but my great, 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 great grandfather uh, decided to move to America, and I was in him when he did that. Because of that decision back then, uh, that's where I was born. And in the same way, Adam, we were in Adam because Adam sinned. His nature, his nature was passed because of Adam. And by the way, if you think that's not fair, then just simply by actions. By actions, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Does anybody agree with that at all? And so understand the sovereign's desire he can't wait to extend he can't wait to show uh, he can't wait to shower grace and mercy and kindness the sinner's desperation that's what i need but that's what you need we don't need judgment we we need grace we don't need judgment uh, we need mercy and we need kindness but it's based upon number three write it down 
the Savior's death to provide grace. The Savior's death to provide grace. The grace that David showed Mephibosheth had nothing to do with Mephibosheth. It had everything to do with Jonathan. For Jonathan's sake. For Jonathan's sake. Where the blessing and kindness that David showed showered, uh, that David shared with Mephibosheth, had nothing to do with him. He didn't earn it, didn't merit it. He wasn't even looking for it. Uh, but because of Jonathan. You know the blessings that God showers down upon us? Isn't because of us? Well, it's for Jonathan's sake, for Jesus' sake. It's for Jesus' sake. David did that because of the death of Jonathan. Uh, God does this because of the death of Jesus Christ. By the Savior's death, you see it in verse number 1, uh, when he said, Is there yet uh, any left of the Saul of house that I may show kindness? For Jonathan's sake, for Jonathan's sake. Verse 7, uh, the same thing. Verse 3, uh, the same thing. For Jonathan's sake, it's for Jonathan's sake. The mercy that God delights in showing and sharing and showering down upon us isn't because of us. It's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, again, it pockets so much of this. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood, uh, made nigh by the blood of Christ. Mephibosheth was blessed because of Jonathan's sake. Uh, we're blessed because of Jesus' sake. Uh, it's for Jonathan's sake, it's because of Jesus' sake. The Son of God. I, I like how Clifford Stewart from uh, Louisville, Kentucky put it when uh, years ago he sent his parents a microwave and uh, on that uh, uh, breaking uh, technology of that day. And uh, they were so excited that now they could be a part of that instant generation. Uh, but when dad unpacked it, he said, the microwave and plugged it in, he said, uh, literally within seconds, their smiles were transformed into frowns. Even after reading the directions, they couldn't make it work. They couldn't figure it out. Uh, two days later, he said, my mother was playing bridge with a friend uh, and confessed her inability to get that thing working the right way, even to boil water. And she said this, to get this darn thing to work, she explained, uh, I really don't need better directions. I don't need more detailed directions. I just need my son to come along with the gift. Well, to get this thing to work, uh, we really don't need better directions and more rules and, uh, and better command. Hey, we don't need that. Uh, we just need the Son to come along with the gift. In fact, the Son uh, of God is actually that very gift. The sinner's death to provide grace. The sinner's death to provide grace. He that spared not his own Son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not also with him, with him, freely give us all things. Freely, freely give us all things. God, because of Christ, the Son, freely gives us all things. He's not white-knuckling that quarter. I dare you to pry it from my fingers. No, he shows, he shares, he showers that grace upon us. He freely gives us all things, all things. Well, look at all the things that David gave to Mephibosheth. Quickly write them down. He received the possessions of royalty. The possessions. Look at verse number 7. And David said unto him, 
Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan, thy father's sake, and will restore thee all the land of Saul, thy father. Here he is, Mephibosheth, minding his own business, and uh, David just deciding, almost uh, whimsically deciding, uh, nothing that Mephibosheth did. He wasn't looking for that, but because of Jonathan's sake, David gave him all the land of the king. You talk about grace. And not just the possessions of royalty. How about number two, the provisions of royalty? Talking about grace. Grace, mercy, kindness. Uh, look at verse number seven again. Uh, I'll restore thee all the land of the king uh, of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. Uh, not just the possessions, uh, also the provisions. And by the way, he did nothing for any of this. Jonathan did everything for all of that. He did nothing for any of this. Jonathan did everything for all of that. Uh, by the way, we do nothing for any of this. Uh, Jesus did everything for all of that. Well, it's his grace. It's his mercy. It's his kindness, the possessions of the king, the provisions of the king. How about the privileges of royalty? Look at verse number 9. Look at the blessing. Just grace after grace and grace after grace. Showing, sharing, showering, kindness. Verse 9. Then the king called Aziba, Saul's servant, and said unto him, I've given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to all his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shall till the land for him, for him, for him. You're going to till the land for him. And thou shalt bring in the fruits that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread all the way at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants, and all of them became servants to Mephibosheth. Look at 12. And Mephibosheth had a young son whose name was Micah. And all that dwelt in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. You talk about grace and kindness. Uh, he inherited a huge staff. They're working the land for him. Whose land? The land that was given to him. Putting food on the king's table. What table? The table that he was invited to. Uh, you talk about a rags to riches uh, kind of a story. It's David's grace. It's his kindness. Uh, it's his mercy, possessions, provisions, privileges. Number four, the position of royalty. Uh, look at his position. Uh, look at verse number 11. Then said Ziba unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table, look at it, the next phrase, as one of the king's sons. Look at that phrase again. As one of the king's sons. Say that phrase. As one of the king's sons. God delights to show that grace. He can't wait to shower that grace. Uh, he wants to share that kindness and that mercy. God who's rich in mercy. God who's full of mercy and of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. Uh, by the way, note the position that he's at now. Uh, look at verse number 7. He's going to uh, eat bread at my table continually. Verse 7. Verse 10. Uh, he'll eat bread always at my table. Verse 11. Uh, he'll eat at my table as one of the king's sons. Verse 13. Look at it. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table and was still lame on both his feet. Listen, even after he experienced the amazing grace of David, he was still lame. He still had a limp. Even after we experienced the amazing grace of God, 
Uh, we're still going to have a spiritual limp at times, a, a spiritual stumbling at times, but notice positionally where he's at. He's tucked under the table four times. He's tucked under the table four times. The lameness in his legs are covered by the table. And when the king looks at all those that are around his table, all of them look the same because his lameness is covered by the grace of the king. It's covered by the grace of God. I brought two friends. I brought John the Baptist with me. He was beheaded. That's preacher humor. But anyway, um, uh, and uh, now, now understand, the, the reason we're in the state that we're in, I'm trying to cover it up because they modeled uh, the torso after me, and I'm a little, you know, shy about that. And so, um, but um, uh, we're in the state we're in because by one man sin entered into the world, and so death by sin, and so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And the problem is we try to get to heaven by, by cleaning up our act, by, by polishing up our act, by, by, by doing that. We forget that there's none righteous, no, not one. Uh, all our righteousness are as filthy rags. Uh, all our righteousness are as fr filthy rags. And on the cross, when Jesus Christ came to die for our sins, the Bible says, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. The Lord hath laid on him. By the way, uh, the reason that Jesus was the only one qualified to die for our sins, he was the only one without sin. Tempted in all points like as we, yet without sin. Perfectly pure. He was that lamb without blemish. Boy, another sinner couldn't die for another sinner. Uh, it had to be a Savior that was spotlessly perfect. His death, his death, that substitutionary death of Christ for us. Uh, and on the cross, the Bible says, the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. In fact, it's in Corinthians that says, he who knew no sin, he who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we may be the righteousness of God in him. That we may be the righteousness of God in him. So the doctrine of imputation, the doctrine of the substitutionary death of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Adam's sin was imputed to us. Uh, and then on the cross, our sin was imputed to, 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 to him. Uh, as far as saying everything I said, uh, everything I thought, uh, everything I did, uh, every sin that I had was laid on the Lord Jesus Christ. But by the way, that only brings us to being neutral. That only brings us to being naked. But when I bowed my head when I was 18 years old, uh, and I opened my heart, and by faith I trusted Christ as my Savior. You've heard it a hundred times. I simply said, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I, I know I'm a sinner. Uh, and thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. The best I know how, uh, I place my faith in what you did on the cross. Uh, come into my heart, forgive my sins, and save me. And the Bible says when we get saved, when we're born again, uh, when we trust Christ, not our baptistry, not our catechism, not our confirmation, not our good works, uh, not trying to clean up our act, but when we place our faith in Christ, let's see, uh, he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him. Paul put it this way, not having my own righteousness 
uh, which is of the law, uh, but uh, that which is uh, of God through faith, the righteousness of God, which is by Jesus Christ. We stand when we're saved in the very righteousness of God. Romans puts it this way. It's great. I'm telling you, it's a great thing if we get it. Uh, Paul talked about Israel for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness have not submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believeth. Have you placed your faith in him? For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And when we're saved, yes, he's the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. But the whole world has not placed their faith in Christ. And so this is only half of it, a glorious part of it, but only half of it. It's when you place your faith, you bow your head, you open your heart, you trust Christ. That's when he covers you, he robes you in the very righteousness. And so now, not only did he pay for every wrong thought I had, every wrong word I said, every wrong act I did, he imputes to my record every right thought that Christ had. Every right word that Christ said, uh, every right action that Christ did. Uh, I do think it's a great illustration, David Mephibosheth, because Mephibosheth, all of a sudden, he's being treated like one of the king's sons. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, David is seeing him the way he sees all his other sons, uh, the possessions of royalty, the privileges of royalty, the provisions of royalty, the, the position of royalty. It's almost like the prodigal son when the prodigal son by faith said, uh, how many of my dad's servants have more than enough to spare? Uh, I'll go home to him and say, uh, dad, I'm not worthy to be made uh, one of your servants. Just make me, just make me. Uh, he went home to, to lay his heart out. Uh, and before he could get the words out, the father uh, embraced him, ran to him, uh, loved on him, best ring, best shoes. Uh, and then he put the father's robe, the best robe. He put the father's robe uh, on the prodigal son. And so now everyone in that town would treat him as though he were a part of the family because by faith we are a part of the family. By faith. Well, you talk about salvation. Salvation. Thank the Lord for his grace. Thank the Lord for his mercy. A, a place of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ, is a place of grace. A person of grace, the Lord Jesus Christ is that person of grace. But now number four and we're done. Uh, number four, uh, we saw the sovereign's desire to extend grace, the sinner's desperation to, to, to obtain grace, the Savior's death to provide grace, uh, and then lastly, the servant's duty to proclaim grace. Ziba, Ziba, that good news, that, that incredibly good news. Uh, he went out, verse five, the king sent Ziba, fetched him, uh, and, and, uh, and just like Ziba went to Mephibosheth to tell him the good news, Lodabar, terrible place, Lodabar, terrible reputation, no pasture, no food, there's no good. He went to Lodabar to share that good news. Listen, uh, as one of the servants of God, boy, we're to go to Lodabar, to our Lodabar, to the world where we work, the world uh, where we shop, the world uh, where, where uh, our community is, and share the good news. Boy, by faith, 
He'll take every sin that you have and forgive them. Doesn't matter what your past is. Doesn't matter what you've done. And by faith in His Son, He'll robe you in the very righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. No wonder we celebrate and sing and rejoice on Sunday morning. Thanks be unto God for the unspeakable gift, the Lord Jesus Christ. God commendeth His love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And that is today's message. We invite you to tune in next time with Scott Toole as he presents another message from Rosedale Baptist Church. For more information about today's presentation or about the ministries of Rosedale Baptist Church, go online to rosedalebaptist.org. That's rosedalebaptist.org. Join us again next time as we study the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse.